right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the I'm with RJ show. We are still here in Vegas, still living. Claire, how are you doing today? We're alive. We're breathing. I think you said something great earlier. We were, we're hanging on by the thread of our tie-dyed sweatshirts. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a general thing. We've got Ben Copel. Did I pronounce that right? Copel. Copel. I like that even better. So I like that. There you ben go. Copel of Loose. Yes. Loose beverages, I suppose. Hello, hello. How are we doing today? How are you feeling today? I'm hanging on by a thread. You know, I don't have tie-dye on, but <laughs> it's, uh, what, today is Friday. I've been here since Monday. I leave yeah. at 6.30 tomorrow, so I've got, like, less than 20 hours left in Vegas. I'm ready to power through it. Oh, yeah. you got a, you got a sprint ahead of you. Exactly. Yeah. A marathon. No, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good day. Very cool. Well, I'm very excited to learn more about your story and your journey and about Loose. And so just kind of top level for the listeners that don't know you out there, Give us kind of your elevator pitch, why you're on the show today and who you are in the space. Sure. So I came into cannabis about six years ago through the entertainment industry. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, kind of impossible to not see cannabis growing up around you around 2016, 2017. At the time, I was curious about it. So I got in, I thought I was applying for a marketing job and I ended up working with 710 Labs in 2016 when they were first opening shop in California. What they said was that they really needed somebody to be, you know, in their facility in the Valley to kind of help in, in packaging and washing. And I met them when they were still, you know, operationalizing essentially the California market. And for me, it was like having a mentorship with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak while they're still building Apple in the garage. I just developed a huge passion for the, the industry and the plant through them. I had no idea what a dad was before I started working there. You know, they asked me in the interview, like, have you taken a dad? And I was like, what? What are we talking here? <laughs> but I was I was curious. It seemed like an interesting time. And, and so I kind of went out and I did it. It was fun to be a cowboy while I was still going on. And then writing picked up for a little bit, but I just never was able to get cannabis out of my head and kind of this exciting industry that was growing. So after a little bit, I ended up joining Plus Products, helping them expand into Southern California, opened a bunch of accounts for them, was helping with some marketing stuff there in the early days. We grew in, after I joined them in 2017, we grew into the number one edible product in the state in 2018 and 2019. At one point, we had the number one selling cannabis branded product, I think, in the world, which is wild. And then, you know, there was somebody that I met there who was their NorCal sales rep. We hit it off. And after a couple of years of working there and talking, we were like, hey, we got this idea. We think, you know, maybe we can start our own brand. So we started talking to all the dispensaries that we've been working with. We didn't want to go into edibles because edibles is such an oversaturated category right now, or gummies especially. Uh, so we're like, okay, well, what, what can we do? Everybody's talking about beverages. Everybody's talking about the 10 milligram kind of the tonics or the seltzers. But we started hearing a lot of problems with that, both on a retail and a distribution and a consumer side. You know, a lot of people don't want to spend for 10 milligrams. They don't want to spend $7 for a drink. The 100 milligram category was really undersaturated with well-branded products. There's a lot of people putting kind of distillate in a little thing and saying, here, enjoy. Um, and we wanted to give the consumer a better experience than that. We wanted to make sure on the distribution side, we were hearing a lot of distributors didn't want to carry a beverage because, you know, the, the water weight was so high and the margin was so low, they weren't turning a profit. So we ended up on a two ounce, 100 milligram THC drink called the Loose Shot. That's our first product. We have three SKUs, Sativa Hybrid and Indica. We have added nutraceuticals and terpenes in there to kind of enhance the effects the packaging we wanted to make feel premium and kind of our goal is at our previous company, they were really focused on the can of curious, which is definitely like going to be a big market in the cannabis space, but we weren't seeing any, you know, non-flower, non-concentrate, non-vape brands that were really appealing towards the cannabis confident, the can of crazy in the edible or the drinks category. So that's kind of where the thought of loose came from. 
and the marketing appeal of that to really appeal directly to them. Yes, yeah, so we were doing that and then, you know, spent kind of a year in startup world trying to get a minimum viable product, doing all of that stuff, learning everything on the fly. Had amazing advisors, got very lucky there. And they kind of helped us and made introductions to Australis Audacious here. And what is it, three, four months ago, you know, we ended up uh, getting acquired by them and it's been a career ride since then. So not to make an MJ unpack joke, but I want to unpack a lot of them. Absolutely. Yeah. I just uh, I dove into a lot. Yeah, no, and you've done a lot of cool things, right? So that that's very impressive. So let's start with just 710 really quickly. So you kind of come into something kind of out of the blue and thrown into that mix. And, and we all know 710 has become now, whether you look at the quality of the rosin or the direct-to-consumer elements that they put together. So was that like a very sort of interesting, strong foundational start for you at, at 710? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I think they were putting the pieces together while I was there. And the thing that was most, you know, it was a great mentorship opportunity. I'm still close with those guys and try to be as close as I can be. I feel like they're the goats in the industry from my perspective. You know, I think they just, they go about it the right way. They have a really good mentality. They're very authentic to the plan and the industry. I haven't heard anybody that really talks about the craft the way that they talk about their craft. And again, it was like that experience of being with these people, being so green and naive about the industry, but being around people with such a passion, not for kind of the economics of the industry, but for the plant of the industry, the quality of the craft. And, you know, I was working with, with Skelly when he was figuring out like the hash washing techniques and what an incredible experience for, you know, now that it's, it's been a trajectory since then, but at the very beginning, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is just fun. I'm going to a freezer and in the Valley and putting on a little hat and, and washing some hash and listen to podcasts. It was a great time then. And in retrospect, it was, it was such a formative experience. Totally. They're just such a cool, such a cool company through and through, whether you, you know, wherever you look in that company, the team of executives that they've built all have that ethos of like really just loving hash over, over economics. I love that way that you put that. I mean, we've been trying to get them to come on a podcast for months now and they're amazing. They're sending me free products. <laughs> they're giving me discounts on stuff. They're like, no, 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 we don't want to tell anybody anything. We just want to make hash. I know, I'm nervous, to, I'm nervous to say anything about them. I mean, uh, but they're, no, they're, they're, they're really cool guys. Yeah, they are. I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Totally. I feel like that trickles down. We love our 710 list days. Yeah, they're direct oh, sure. consumer. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I feel like executive ethos kind of trickles down and like the handwritten notes that they send in each package, whether it's from someone actually making the hash or an IT guy. It's like, I feel that as a consumer, which is really cool. That's missing, I think, yeah. in a lot of like middle managers. That's all them. I mean, I think yeah. that they they get it. This is this is an industry about community. This is an industry yeah. about people. It's not about whatever, whatever other people might want to make cannabis out to be. I think it brings people together. And so on that community point, do, do you draw from that sort of experience in Loose at all? Is there an intention to sort of build a community around the brand or what does that look like? That's the hope. I've heard a lot of brands speak down to cannabis consumers. You know, mm -hmm. I think when your executive ranks are not familiar with cannabis use and they come from a generation that, you know, during prohibition really looked down on cannabis users as stoners and potheads as a pejorative, that trickles into their marketing, that trickles into their branding. And I think our, our very active from day one goal was we don't want to like wink and nod in the way that some people are like cannabis is okay now. It's like cannabis has always been fine. It's it's the rest of the world that kind of need to catch up. So we're we're kind of standing in that camp. I think there's a lot of brands that are standing in that camp. And absolutely, you know, the goal I think is that we can empower cannabis consumers to feel confident about their lifestyle and, and validated in a way that they might not be seeing from a lot of other brands in the space. I'd like to just like go into that a, a little deeper. Um, so you guys were founded in Santa Cruz. Yes. So my co-founder is based up there. Awesome. I, I, I got my undergrad at UCSC. And so that kind of was my foundation for like cannabis culture and the knowledge of it and the power of it. And I'm wondering how, how that trickles into your brand and how you kind of use those roots of Santa 
Cruz. And if that's in the name, you know, do you think, and I'm curious to hear your opinion, does does loose and the idea of kind of getting loose, does that fit with Santa Cruz? And you know, the font is funky. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that totally. Yeah. I mean, I think cannabis is, is both hyper local and broader community. You can share a joint with somebody from across the country and and have a meaningful experience the same way that you would with somebody that lives down the street, but the vibe is obviously going to be different in, in each location. So I think that the kind of get loose, hang loose mentality just baked into the brand there. That's awesome. So you, again, you said a lot in your, your kind of intro, but I couldn't agree more with the statement that the gummy market specifically is oversaturated to hell and back right now. Yes. And I think you also make a very strong point around, and I, I definitely, to reinforce what you said, this is a two ounce shot with a hundred milligrams in it. Right. This is not an eight ounce beverage can with 10 milligrams or five milligrams. I think they both have a place. They're, they're both going to exist on the shelf. Maybe they're next to each other. Maybe they're not next to each other, but they're definitely on the shelf together. They're in the beverage space. But I think it's a very unique and necessary lane that needs to be filled and is not being filled right now. And I think you saw that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a consumer base out there and there's different conversations I have with people where some people are like two, 100 milligrams, two ounces, that's that's crazy. And then other people are like, they're right on, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and they'll take the entire thing and they'll share it with friends. I mean, I think we heard a lot about the can of curious during the first couple of years of, of legalization. We want to be speaking to the can of confident. These are people that are not checking five, 10 milligrams. You know, they'll take a couple of gummies from a bag and they'll eat it. They're not going to worry about the dosage. They're confident in their ability to kind of, you know, have a good time or, or maybe they took too much, but they're not going to worry about that. That's how I I use it. I don't take the entire shot. I, I take a sip and whether it's, you know, 10, 20 milligrams, it'll be fine. Totally. One thing that's kept me away from like stocking my fridge with beverages is just that cost versus milligram ratio that you brought up. There's great beverages out there. There's really cool beverages out there. Like the ABX, the, the Lagunitas ABX thing is really cool. You know, we had happy beverages on here in MJ Impact and that product is really cool. They're a really cool team. But what am I going to do with 2.5 milligrams? I'm 200 exactly. pounds. I've been smoking hash for 13 years and I smoke hash every day. So right. what is that going to do for me? You know what I mean? And so again, from a, I want to be into the beverage space, but there isn't a product for me. You know, this seems like a product for me. Happy to hear it. Hopefully I wish I had samples on me. Um, otherwise, <laughs> oh, yeah. But we'll, I, we'll I think you you're hitting again, like that point of like the forgotten canvas connoisseur. It's like, that's probably the person that's spending the most money in the dispensary. Right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. do you want the person that's going to be buying gummies once every couple months? Or do you want the people that are in the store every, every week, you know, yeah. buying flour and buying concentrates and, and seeing what else is new? Totally. Yeah. Getting your product, getting loose added to the regimen of stuff that they're already kind of buying. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's like every purchase or for a, a fun weekend or, you know, totally. for a special event, whatever it might be, it's either way, as long as we can be part of that community, I think we'll be fine. Totally. So the product is live in California. The product is live, limited in California. Okay. Um, we're in a couple of NorCal shops right now, and we are on the ease menu for, I think, most of the state. Sweet. Expansion will be happening soon. We're, gonna, we're getting statewide as soon as we possibly can, just ramping up production. But, you know, been doing as well or better than expected, I think, in all the awesome. shops, which is exciting. Yeah. Sweet. So you had something about distribution earlier that I want to touch on as well. So how are you approaching your sort of sales rollout? And are you kind of running your own sales program? Are you relying on the district to do that? Is there a blended approach there? And sort of how does that expand beyond the state of California as you move forward? Totally. So every state, it seems like, has a slightly different model on how you actually get into stores and the more limited licenses. It seems like it's going to be, you know, kind of a corporate arrangement. And we give, we get a little bit. And then in other places like California and probably Nevada and in Lucerne, I don't want to say loose, but like more broadly available license models. Where Colorado. People, yeah, Colorado, exactly. I think we need to be authentic to the brand and make sure that we're going in and selling it the right way and selling ourselves 
as part of the community and as a product for consumers that they're already seeing. In California, you know, obviously my co-founder and I kind of had a sales background a little bit from our time at Plus. So we have an extensive network that we're going to be tapping. Our distribution's not doing sales. I'm curious to see how it all evolves. I think that's definitely the number one issue, it seems like, for new brands is getting into storefronts. It's not like a huge concern of ours at this stage, just given, you know, our roster of relationships and then also like the other reps that we know that we can tap and, and maybe get interested. But it's just once it gets on the shelves, where, where is the excitement there and then at the store and it's seemed positive so far from the first couple spots. Awesome. Yeah. I want to kind of go back to, to Plus a little bit and just kind of touch on that and the experiences that maybe you've drawn from that and how that may have, again, impacted what you're doing here today. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it was a really positive experience. I got to be with the company from 2017 through legalization, through kind of the rise and, and see, you know, a little bit of the struggles that they experienced, I think. But all of this has been a learning opportunity for me is, is kind of how I'm treating it. I feel like we're in still the first or second ending of this industry. I'm curious what other metaphors people on the show have used to describe where we are. But it still feels like we're super early on. And so I'm trying to keep my eyes wide and soak in, you know, all of the lessons that I possibly can. And, and Plus was a great company to be with when I was there. They were riding a rocket ship and following the same path that I think a lot of early cannabis companies were following at the time, which was a, a journey to see. Yeah. So you mentioned being acquired. Yes. And I assume that'll have some effect on sort of expansion plans. And you mentioned the sort of the corporate approach that some states require. And like Illinois probably is, is more of a corporate approach. Maybe talk a little bit about Audacious from like a, a basic, who is Audacious for someone that doesn't know and why you sort of maybe took that route instead of going it on your own, let's say. Sure. Yeah. So Audacious is a capital light MSO with an engineering arm that helps power our expansion is I think the, uh, the shortest elevator pitch I can give for it. So we have kind of a suite of brands underneath the Audacious name of which Luce is now one. We also have Tsunami and Provisions, Audacious Rec Relief, which is going to be a CBD cream. And then also the Mr. Natural brand, which is, you know, like OG California. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Mr. Natural is just a legend in the, in the community. I've been spending a lot of this week with him. Same. Yeah, he's a Vietnam vet, started a cannabis brand, was like a Rastafari minister. Very cool. Hung out with uh, the Marley family in, in Jamaica for a long time. And just, you know, you get any time with him and you're going to hear some stories about this industry. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we went with them is given the state of where everything is in the industry right now, I mean, we're talking to them and a lot of their, their management team comes from other cannabis companies. And I think, you know, like I've been saying, we're still so early on and they've had experiences, learned lessons from their previous experiences there, wherever they worked. And I think we're all kind of bringing that here and saying, okay, how can we do this differently? We're seeing a lot of these MSOs in, in the early iteration that loaded themselves with that and kind of built out all this infrastructure. And it seems like it's following maybe the uh, the telecom boom and bust of the, the early 2000s. And there's going to be a lot of consolidation there. I think the, the smart strategy here that they seem to be going with is, you know, let's go capital light. Let's grow organically, essentially, and use this engineering and, and grow facility arm to really power the expansion in the back. And so with Loose, you know, they have owned and operated facilities out of Nevada. So we're able to expand in Nevada. They're helping us ramp up our production, which we just, you know, desperately needed, obviously, in California to kind of meet some of the demand there. And then, you know, as the company expands, we're going to be expanding with them, hopefully getting into all of these new states. I think with the, the form factor, it's going to be an issue of regulations, depending on whether the, the two-ounce shot goes there. But we're really envisioning loose as not just the, that two-ounce shot. I mean, the goal is that we get some brand recognition there, and then we're able to expand into other categories that fit that hang-loose kind of lifestyle. Like, we might not sell flour, but we might do edibles. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right approach. I think a lot of companies come out with, like, we've got 20 SKUs. We can do all these things. And it's like, no, no, no. Do the one thing that you really mm-hmm. fucking well and crush it and yeah. make sure that people know who you are. So that when you do the second thing that makes sense with the first product, don't, and not to knock pop and barkley, but like, why are you doing rosin if you do cream? 
How does that connect? It doesn't, doesn't what are your connect. thoughts on that? Because it's I was, Looney Tunes. I've never, even, I've never had it. I never would. It's Looney Tunes from a branding standpoint. So as somebody who's like crazy about branding and marketing, I don't I don't understand how you transition from a cream to to process. I had the same thought when I first heard about it in the market, and I gotta say they won me over. <laughs> Respect as somebody who, as somebody who's a seven seven ten loyalist when it comes to to rosin. I just I think I know that I love seven ten. Absolutely, you know? so, yeah. So I think that's part of it. But I've seen and in, in they did a great job in building a huge brand, right? So it works for them, I'm sure. But I've seen a lot of mid-sized companies try to do too much before they were ready. No doubt. And I think to your point, we want to make sure we understand who the brand is speaking to, what their needs are, and build products around that, you know, and not sell them stuff we don't think that they want or they need. And that's why we have all of these different brands. And I think each of them is going to appeal to kind of a different part of the Venn diagram of the cannabis community. Uh, And there might be some overlap even in the the categories and form factors there. But hopefully they're selling to different audiences within that category. Maybe they're different price points. Maybe it's like, you know, different flower line or something like that, whatever it might be. There's a sense, I think, among some people, People that you can just put a product out there, people are going to buy it because it's weed and people buy drugs. I, that's I why there's a lot of unsold product. Right yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's why there's a lot of companies that are struggling. Is mm-hmm. cannabis consumers are actually really savvy. I think, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are you know going from the illicit market to the legal market. These are some of the people with the highest bullshit meter in marketing mm-hmm. because they've been consuming a product that they've been told is is illegal and dangerous and morally bankrupt for you know sometimes decades before the world is suddenly like, oh, actually now it's fine and we're going to put billboards up for it and we're going to like. <laughs> hit you with some spiffy marketing campaign that says like you should have never felt guilty in the first place <laughs> right it's like yeah. you, you guys were the investment banks that thank you for telling me I, yeah thank you for telling me i shouldn't have ptsd for my cannabis arrests yeah you right it's like you were you yeah. were bankrolling the legislation here you were you were getting all of these uh, politicians in office yeah, yeah it's like, you, i'm on bear some responsibility for it and we can move forward but it's uh anyway yeah. No, totally. I think you made a good point there too. I mean, the couple of different things you said, like, where are we in the growth of the timeline of cannabis? I think we're at like 10, 15% of like the hundred percent run that will eventually when everything is what it is, when it comes to any other product, you know, if that's hundred percent, I think we're at like 10, 15%. Totally. I think we're going to see that jump very, not extremely, but I think we'll see that push quicker now that we've gotten sort of to what you're describing, which to me is like a collectivization of corporations, right? And so we've had success and the team behind Audacious has had success on its own. You have a history behind you. You've made mistakes. You've learned along the way. And now we're all coming together to organically as a corporation, figure out how to do this the right way after we've learned all of this stuff so far. So it's something that I always thought we needed in 2015 is this sort of collective growth mentality of, of a lot of great operators coming together to figure out how to do one thing or, or do one portfolio right. It's cool to see that happening on sort of the bigger level now. I always thought it would sort of be more of a grassroots push to that, but you're now seeing that on sort of a, a corporate public side. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of recognition about, you know, what didn't work and why it didn't work. We're now, depending on what market you're in, you know, six to 10 years since legalization has started happening. So I think you're starting to see a lot of people that came up from the ground floor are now in positions where they can actually talk to people or are in C-suites and they're saying, hey, maybe maybe try this, maybe think of it this way. I think you ask a lot of people in the cannabis community, they're not going to say that the other brands out there are the competition. You know, it's like, what's the market? Good for them. We're all a community. We're all like, I, I don't want to, you know, look at the the other brands of 100 milligram drinks out there. Like, we got to beat these. I'm like, no, we're all going to support each other. You know, if there's only one drink on the market, that market's not going to be very big. Yeah. It's, it's going to take all of us to kind of grow the category and then there's going to be room for all of us to enjoy a piece of the pie. Absolutely. And that's how it's done in the beer world, right? I mean, there's a desire to collaborate, even though there's independent ownership and you're making money, I'm making money, but exactly right. If there isn't a category, nobody in the dispensary buyer standpoint is going to be buying that if there isn't competition amongst people in that category. Absolutely. Why do 
I want this if only one company's come in here. Right. Nobody's asking me for it. But now I've got four different companies pushing me this. And maybe I need to consider this. Yeah. You know? And if our goal, I mean, you know, my perspective is I want to move edible consumers that are used to, you know, 50 or higher milligram doses into the beverage category. And we're not going to be able to do that as one brand. If we're the only brand that's out there, you know, marketing our product, they're not going to see that. But if there's eight brands out there that are marketing all of their products, they're going to walk into that category and say, all right, maybe there's something here for me. And then our goal is to be the best one, is to be the easiest one for them to, you know, look at and say, that's the one that I want to pick it up and, and have a good experience so they come back and get it the next time. Totally. I'm, I'm kind of curious about the nanotechnology Absolutely. shots. So kind of tell me about why, because beverages hit faster than a gummy or any other way of ingesting it, I guess. That's not sublingual. Mm-hmm. And so what what's the reason for the nano? Why do you use it? Why do you think it's helpful? Usually if I have a drink, it's it's a bigger drink and so do shops normally have nano in them or just tell me a little bit about that i, I don't want to say we're the only one that has uh, nano emulsion technology because i am confident that there's probably somebody else out there but we go through vertosa which has a great reputation in the space for nano emulsified thc it allows a higher absorption rate so you know the onset is going to be quick but then you're also going to get more of 100 milligrams or however many that you're, you're taking at that time but our goal is you know looking at the category when we were entering into it it was a race to the bottom for price and, and THC. And we didn't want to do that. So we wanted to find kind of what are the places that we can tweak this product and this brand to make it, you know, more of a premium product, still cost conscious, still affordable, but that a consumer would feel good about buying, even if it's $2 more expensive, let's say. In terms of expansion beyond the retail, what are you seeing in terms of lounges and, and sort of that progression as that's opening up? Is that something you see who's going into? Probably. I mean, I don't know that beverages counterintuitively are going to be the big sellers and lounges. I went to Lowell Cafe when it first opened in Los Angeles and definitely spent a lot of time because I was curious about, you know, consumption lounges as a, as a space in the future. And the conversations I was having with people that worked there led me to believe that consumption lounges are going to be mostly vapes, smoking, dabs, stuff like that. The edibles and the beverages, I think the loose form factor, unless you have a high tolerance, you know, it's not something I maybe, you know, would take to sit down for dinner. Something sure. I'm going to take, you know, walking around here in Vegas and, and go through some casinos, I'll, I'll enjoy that experience. But that, you know, maybe is a new product where we have more of a, of a mixer or something like that sure. that you can put in your drink and, and have easy dose control, which we can do with the shot form, but I think would be easier in a, in a larger size. I think it's going to be really interesting because, it, you know, it's like any category. It's like saying I'm in the beverage space camp. It's like, well, what does that mean? Same thing as saying like a lounge. What does that mean? Is that, you know, a place that has concerts in it? Sure. Is that a club that doesn't allow any kind of smoking whatsoever? So there is only beverages. Yeah, but I think that there were perfect for that honestly and you know i think that's the commercial in my head is you you bring a couple of these bottles to a party and you're just kind of pouring a little bit into sprite pouring a little bit into you know whatever the seltzer is or something and you use that instead of alcohol like i haven't had a touch of alcohol since i've been in vegas which is like crazy a little weird but thank you (laughs) i'm saving myself for a night here but uh No, it's it's been a great weekend. I haven't needed to because yeah. you're having a good time. Well, right over there on the table, there's an 1800 margarita mix that has alcohol in it. And that's Ooh. like a prime example of what, yeah. what could be done at like a lounge level. I'm excited about that. I mean, yeah. I'm working on a couple of things that I don't want to discuss here. Well, there's, well, there's, I'll be yeah, back. I'll be like, back, yeah. This is the, the, the two-ounce shot is definitely the discrete portable form factor. Totally. When we're talking about lounges, I think we're talking about a different form factor that allows for, you know, more sociability and you're not carrying it around. So, yeah. totally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So then let's just do like a wrap-up media shout-outs where people can find it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, people can get loose on ease. is the easiest way statewide in California. Um, we're ramping up sales, so we'll be in dispensaries, hopefully statewide in the next couple of months uh you can find us on instagram at get.loose and then our website is uh, getloose.com my email is ben at audacious.net if anybody wants to ever hit me up about stuff otherwise 
yeah, we're looking forward to kind of rolling out this brand, more brands, and growing the cannabis community. Oh, yeah. And it's Loose, L-O-O-S? L-O-O-S. Thank you for clarifying that. Perfect. Yes. Awesome. Ben from Loose. Great to meet you guys. Thank you so much for being on the Apple Heritage Show. Yeah. Cool.